Welcome to the Calvary Podcast. Get ready to dive into an inspiring message. Our aim is to share teachings that bring transformation and hope to your life. So open your heart, be ready to listen, and prepare for a powerful encounter with the Word. Let's get started. I needed to take a couple of weeks and just connect uh, what God did during the prayer siege to where we are now. Uh, When you have an opportunity like we had to pray for 10 days, 24 hours a day, Nobody stayed the whole time, but, that, but constantly for the whole 10 days, 24 hours a day, prayer was going on. When people pray, God answers. Can someone say amen to that? It's just like God says, try me, show me. In fact, I'm going to show you a bold statement in, in what we're going to study today. It's almost shocking. It's almost shocking. When, when you begin to pray, when you build altars in your life, everybody hearing me? I don't mean just going through the motions. We're not talking about playing church and being religious and, and you know, following the rituals. I'm talking about people who decide, I believe God is who he says he is. And I believe God will do what he said. How many believe those two things? We just read it in, in, in Hebrews. Let me say it again. How many of us today, what do you think of this? How many of you believe that God is who he says he is? I believe that with all my heart. I stake my life on that. Everything I know, everything I own, everything that's dear to me is staked on that truth. I believe God is who the Bible says he is. But I'm going to follow it with one more thing. I believe he will do what he said he will do. See, it's one thing to believe God can. It's another thing to believe God will. See, everyone, almost everyone believes God has the ability. That just looks kind of nasty over there, doesn't it? That's almost bothering you. That's bothering me. That's terrible. So... I believe that God is the God who is who the Bible tells us he is and that he will do what he said. Not only can he, not only does he have the ability, I believe God actually will do it. See, that's the other level. I believe he will. And so knowing that, we begin to see this walk of faith, this journey as a believer uh, that's exciting, that's fulfilling, that's challenging, that's stretching. You know, the word boring and Christian should never be in the same sentence. You understand that? Those two words should never be in the same sentence. Let me give you another one. The words boring and church should never be in the same sentence. I'm I'm, I'm trying to take us to another level, so let me be real straight. Somebody's got to be straight. Nobody talks straight anymore. Everybody just kind of, you think, well, maybe kind of should have. Listen, I don't have that long on Sundays to put that much icing on the cake. You understand? I just don't have that much time. Uh, you, you need to know the truth. If, if church is boring to you, that's an indictment on you, not the church. Everybody hear what I said? I'm going to try it over here on this side, just in case. If boring, if your church is boring, that's not an indictment on the church. It's an indictment on you. You didn't, you didn't get ready for church that day. Okay? If, if, if being a Christian is boring, that's not an indictment on Christ. That's an indictment on us following Christ. Because I'm going to tell you, following Jesus is the most fulfilling exciting, relevant journey of your life. It's not always easy. It's not always instant. It doesn't always happen the minute that I want it to happen. It doesn't always happen the way I want it to happen. Listen, I want to tell you straight up, I've been praying some prayers for 40 years that haven't been answered yet. Did you hear that? Some might say, well, I'm not going to pray. Well, you know what? You never lose a battle till you give up. So I'm in some 40, I got, a, I got a couple of 40-year battles, and I haven't lost because I haven't quit. The only way I lose is when I quit. I've invested 40 years in some of my prayers. You think I'm going to walk off now? 
You think I'm going to surrender to the devil now? No, sirree. I'm going to tell you, it doesn't happen every day on that day when I like it. But I'm going to tell you, serving Jesus has been anything but boring to me. It has been anything but commonplace. But what I've had to learn is how to pray, how to talk to him. Listen, I'm not talking a ritual. I'm not talking how other people pray. I'm talking about you as an individual learning how to spend time with God, learning how to walk with him. Allowing him to show you that he's real. Allowing him to show you that he is a God of his word. That he is a God who works in your life. That he is relevant. That he does make sense today. That he is more real to you than your friends sitting beside you right now. That he is more faithful to you than the most faithful person that you've ever met in your life. And so that's what God is looking for, an opportunity to show himself real. If we never give him the place or the space for that, we never get to know what that is like. So today I want us to again look at this this moment, this opportunity that God has given us with this prayer seed that we were privileged to, to be the seed of a national prayer movement. Think of what I just said, that we have the privilege of being a seed of a national prayer movement. And God doesn't want this prayer movement to, to leave us. He wants it to stay and develop in this place. And so we're looking at it from a different level. Let, let me read something to you. Today, I'm, I'm teaching you on the positioning of prayer. I have a lot to say in a limited uh, amount of time. Let me, let me just try to get your attention. We, we cannot keep looking at our Christian faith in America today as business as usual. You need to understand, as a believer, you are in a full-fledged spiritual battle for your faith. You need to understand that every strategy of hell has been unleashed against your faith, against your children. Are you with me? That's not to frighten you. You say, well, oh, my goodness. I, you know, if, if being a Christian puts me in a battle, well, let me ask you this. I, this. This is your option. Would you rather be on a battleship or the Titanic? Just take a pick. Because if you're not a Christian, your boat's going down right now. Your boat's sinking. The band may be playing, you know. You may be whining and dining, but there's an iceberg in your future. You understand what I'm saying? So, so you might say, well, you know, I don't know if I want to be a Christian and, and really serve and give my whole heart. Well, you don't have to do that, but the iceberg's coming, okay? Or you can understand, you know, I, I may have some battles. I may have some conflict, but God promises we win in those things. We have to engage. But this is just a little insight where we are. Now, I, I, I tell you. Uh, it's difficult to talk about issues and events today because our culture, including the church, has become so politically polarized. It's hard for a pastor to even speak to the issues that he needs to speak to because everybody listens to me with a filter on your ears. We sit in church and go, was that for or against the Democrats? Was that for or against the Republicans? Okay. And so that's the challenge a pastor has, just to talk about an issue without you adding to what I said, without somebody reading between the lines. Can I help you with something? I just said it a while ago. I don't have time on Sunday to, to ice the cake. I don't have time to give you subliminal messages. If you want to know what I think, I tell you. I just said it. You don't have to go home and go, what was he really saying? No, I said it. Don't work that hard. It's just what I said. So let me, let me show you where we are. Um, I don't know this guy. I'm just using this as an illustration. Recently, whether you're aware or not, uh, there was a new Speaker of the House elected in Washington, D.C. 
we, we find out this guy nobody ever heard of, Mike Johnson, uh, is a born-again believer. And the fact that he's a born-again believer, I'm not concerned he's a Republican or Democrat. Chill. Relax. But the vitriol, the anger, the, the verbiage released since someone who's a born-again Christian has been elevated has been shocking to me. You don't understand where we are, okay? So uh, Bill Mayer compared the newly elected House Speaker to the main mass shooter responsible for murdering 18 people and injuring 13 others. That's his comparison of a born-again Christian. He says he's mentally ill. Listen to this. I quote, when you're this much of a religious fanatic, see how we throw terms around? Okay. There's no room for real democracy. Really. That's not what you believe in. He said it today. This is what made him mad. This is what infuriated this atheist. He Look in the Bible. That's my worldview. <laughs> look in the Bible. This is my worldview. That infuriated him. He said, you mean you have the audacity? When they ask him, What's your view on the world? He said, pick a Bible up, and that's my worldview. Yes, so he's called mentally ill. He's compared to a mass murderer. It gets better. He says, uh, I was reading about this horrible shooting in Maine, and you know, we don't know much about this guy yet, but apparently he heard voices, and I thought, is that so much different than Mike Johnson? All right, let's keep reading. He says, uh, Johnson shocked the nation Wednesday when the little-known lawmaker emerged. Uh, he says uh, this. This is what he called him. He's super-duper uber-Christian. I mean, pick up a Bible off the shelf and read it. That's my worldview. That's what he said. Talk, listen to this. This is what, this is the, he, so mayor says, talk to the hand. I mean, the one with the nail print in it. And then he said, and to top that off, this guy says he's in a covenant marriage. When did this stuff become bad? A covenant marriage. He says, I didn't know what that was. Well, I'm not surprised. He's an atheist. A covenant marriage. He says, have you ever heard of this? I don't, I don't know that th what this was. Have you heard of it? Maybe it's a thing in Louisiana where he's from. A covenant marriage. I'm quoting, like marriage isn't hard enough to get out of. Seriously, this is a covenant marriage. Makes it very, very, very hard to get divorced. It's really like people here till death do us part. I could read on. You get the point? That's how your faith is viewed in our culture today. That's how what I'm doing right now is viewed. I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that. I'm super good with that because this is what I've chosen to base my life on. I believe God is who he says he is, and I believe he does what he says, and I'm super comfortable putting my faith in God. I'm comfortable with this. Now, look at Ephesians chapter 6. Did I get your attention? Yeah. We're in a, we're in a spiritual battle. It's no time to be asleep. Let me help you this. I'm not afraid. You shouldn't be afraid. Why am I sharing these kind of things to make you afraid? No, to wake us up. And understand, this isn't time to play church. It isn't time to patty cake. 
It isn't time to say, I'll let somebody else teach my children. I'll let somebody else pray with my children. I'll let somebody else do. This is not the time for that. This is the time. And let me give you some good news. The Word of God says, where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. I believe at this point in time that God is wanting to release his grace, his mercy, and his power through his church in ways like we've never seen before. I'm not expecting to go down. I'm expecting an awakening to happen in this nation. When the devil begins to play his hand so, so violently, so obviously, so incredibly hard to miss, you have to know that God is not sitting idly by, that God is looking for men and women somewhere who will take up his word and believe in him. And we will not fight our battles like the world fights their battles. Can I tell you something? Bill Meyer, I don't hate that man. I'm praying for that man. Do you understand? He's not my enemy. I feel sorry for him. I feel sorry for him. See, we don't, we, we're not like that. I, listen, can I help you with something? I, I just, it's so strong. We have to get past these things. I, I'm, I'm going to make everybody happy or mad here in the next 30 seconds. You ready? I don't really care what Donald Trump thinks. I care what God thinks. I don't really care what Joe Biden thinks. I care what God thinks. I don't really care what George Bush said. I care what God said. I don't really care what Barack Obama said. I care what God said. I don't care. I'm not impressed. I'm not in their party. I'm in the kingdom of Almighty God. My vote's not up for buy, sell, influence. I'm going to stick with the Word of God. Because you need a church and a pastor and a word that you do have a biblical worldview. That you know how to raise your children because of what the Bible said. That you honor marriage because of what the Bible said. That you live pure because of what the Bible said. That you know who you are because you know who he is. That's why we're here. And that's what we're here to do. And I don't know how you get there without a prayer life that has some real substance to it. Because we're inundated with all these thoughts and ideas in these situations. I'm trying to hurry. I'm staying too long on this. Look with me to Ephesians 6, 17. We, we have here this list of spiritual armament, knowing we're in a spiritual battle. Uh, wh- what do we do? Watch God sum it up. Ephesians 6 and verse 17. What do we see here? He says, after we've given these other uh, armaments, this armor, he says, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit which is the word of God, and then, I didn't put verse 18, sorry guys, but I'll read it, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Have you got that? If your Bible's open and your device is open, you got it. Read, look with me again. Verse 17, take the helmet of salvation, salvation, and the sword of the spirit, which is what? The word of God. And we're not complete till we read verse 18. Pray. How? In the spirit. When? On all occasions. How? All kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. You will not be equipped to win the battles you want to win unless you know his word and you know how to pray. It boils down to those things. It's not a thousand other things. Do I know the word of God? Do, am I in a spiritual battle unequipped? If I don't know the word, Satan's going to fight you. Do you know the devil knows more scripture than a lot of Christians? You say, what do you mean? Well, the three times he tempted Jesus in Luke 4, he quoted scripture every time out of context. Out of context. It's sad today, but the devil can memorize more scripture than the Christians can now. 
We, if you don't have the word, you're in a battle. You can't win. And then he says, you pray. You pray on all occasions. You pray at all times. You never stop praying. Because the battle is not what you see. The battle is what's behind what you see. The real power is not what you see. It's the power behind what you see. Your real enemy, my real enemy, the thing that's trying to rob me of everything dear, rob me of my family, rob me of my dream, rob me of my purpose, rob me of my identity. Everything that comes to steal, kill, and destroy is a person, is a principality, not a personality. If we spend all our time fighting persons, politics, parties, people, races, ages, generation, we will never get to what really makes this life work, and that's the Word of God and prayer. And we have to make some quality decisions. Who are we serving, and why are we serving these things? It's important. So I want to show you, <laughs> as quickly as I can, a, a process. What happens when we determine, you know what, I'm going to find out about God. You know, I hope, see, some people say, or, or is everybody welcome to Calvary? Absolutely everybody's welcome. I hope there are people here today that don't know Jesus. I hope there are people here today that I've already made you mad. I hope. I pray. I, I pray the hair on the back of your neck sticking up right now. I hope you think I'm crazy right now. Because at least you got to hear me out, and the Holy Spirit's going to do something in your life. See, I'm not afraid to let God prove himself. I believe God will prove himself. I'm thankful. I hope you're done. What in the world? Look, just, just get this, okay? I want you to get this. So we're positioning ourselves with a growing prayer life. I want you just to see what happens when you give God a chance. So 1 Kings 19. Let's go with, go with me there. 1 Kings 19. Here's an encounter. Now, we read these scriptures in the last two months. I get it. I don't forget. I, I, I'm doing good. I'm okay up here, all right? But I want to look at this passage from another context, all right? 1 Kings chapter 19. 1 Kings 19. Here's, uh, I, I used this word last week, and I want to expand on it and teach you something briefly. I'm probably going to have to work this in another message today and next Sunday. Thank God for next Sunday. Everybody say, thank God for next Sunday. See, I'm already looking forward to next Sunday. I ain't got through this one yet. Okay. I want you to get there with me, all right? 1 Kings 19. Let's watch this encounter with Elijah and his heir, his protege, his mentee, Elisha. So here we are. 1 Kings 19, verse 19. Now, I've got this. I want to read from the New King James Version because I, I, like, what, uh, I like the words, the verbiage used here. So 1 Kings 19, 19, New King James. So he departed from there and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen before him. That's a pretty bad boy. That's 24 oxen and one guy is plowing. So, you know, this guy wasn't lazy. He wasn't exactly, you know, sitting at the house. He, he's working. Then Elijah, watch, passed by him and threw his mantle on him. And he left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, please let me kiss my father and my mother and then I will follow you. And he said to him, just go back. What, what have I done to you? So Elisha turned back from him, took a yoke of oxen, slaughtered them, and boiled their flesh using the oxen's own equipment and gave it to the people, and they ate. Then he arose and followed Elijah and became his servant. Now, you notice something happened here I want you to see. It, this, this is Elisha's first encounter with Elijah's mantle. This, not only a visible cloak, I tried to find something just to give you a little visible thing. I want it, I want it on your attention here. So in my thinking, 
if somebody was a real prophet, he didn't have, you know, a slick king's thing on. It was this, uh, you know, furry, hairy prophet's thing here. See, this, this, is, this is what he put on him. It's something like this, all right? So let's look at this thing. So he has this thing put on him, and he's like, this is, uh, I never had this. It, it was tangible. It was, it was something, and he says, you know, I want you to get this, guys. One touch, one touch. He didn't say, come follow me, but when he encountered this, this is visible for what's invisible. It was the power of God. It was the presence of God. It was an anointing. It was a purpose. Are you listening to me? It was a cause. It was a call. It was, a, it was what he was supposed to be and who he was. And see, Elisha had never understood who he was. He'd never realized what he could be. Are you listening to me? He had lived in one level, but when something touched him, it wasn't just a physical, furry, hairy prophet's cloak. The presence of God was carried with this thing. And he didn't even have to be invited to follow him. He said, that's it, I'm done. Wherever you go, I'm going to go. For the rest of my life, I'm a different man. I'm, I'm with you, I'm for you. Are you hearing me today? And there's something about what I want you to have and I want our children to have and I want our students to have. And it is bigger and stronger and better than all the Facebook and TikTok and Instagram and everything else that goes. Because if you don't think somebody else is raising your family, you're foolish. If you don't think somebody else is talking to your family, you're foolish. You're naive. Pardon me for using strong language. But what I'm telling you, there is an encounter with God that is real and as tangible as this big hairy thing on my back right now. It's not something you can see. It's invisible. And my prayer is, is that you and me and your children and my children, my grandchildren, your kids, that they will have an encounter somewhere with God in their life that is so real, it's real as a big, furry, heavy prophet's mantle, and they will have that touch of God, and you won't have to beg them and plead with them and coerce them and talk with them and drag them to church. But from that moment, they will say, whoever touched me, I'm after this right now. Whatever just happened in my life is real. It's more real than 24 oxen. It's more real than my daddy's farm. It's more real than the inheritance I'm going to have. His father was obviously wealthy for him to be in that scenario. That was extremely unusual in that day. But one touch of the presence of God, and that young man said, I walk off from everything just to have the touch of God on my life. That's, that's what happened. That's what needs to happen. That's what our kids need. That's what you and I need. That's what we have to have, that encounter with God. And, and so we see that he, he, he said, you know, I get it. It's my time. I, I, I'm going to go. It's, it's an office. It's a call. It's being empowered with the Holy Spirit. It, it, it's incredible. It is an inheritance, dude. That word mantle can be, listen to me, guys, an inheritance. It's something one generation passes to another generation. And we need to be in a place of prayer, a place of walking with God. Say, how do I give somebody something that I don't have? How do I leave an inheritance? How do I leave something to another generation if I don't own it? How do I pass a house on that I don't have? I can write anything I want to in a will, but if I don't have a deed, if I don't have the ownership, if it's not mine, I can't give it to anybody. Instead of railing on Gen Z and Gen X and millennials and, and saying they don't do that, and they don't know this, and, the, and, and we, the statistics are clear, the, 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 they're, they're the most unchurched and biblically illiterate generation that's ever lived in America. But I don't blame them for that. It's because their mom and daddy didn't take them to church. 
It's because her mom and daddy never had a mantle laid on their back. It's because their parents lived for the buck instead of the God. It's because the generation in front of them didn't pass on the mantle that God had laid on their life. I can't give you what I don't have. I can't see my children encounter God if I've never encountered God. We can't see a nation change if we're not changed. We can't have an awakening in America if the church is dead. We can't have a revival in America if I haven't been revived. It's a mantle. It's a calling. It hit him and he said, I'll never be the same again. You see, it passes on. It, 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 from one generation to the next generation. I, 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 let, let me illustrate it like this. It, we watch this principle in Scripture. Moses was called of God to lead Israel. And it came to the end of his life. And the Bible says <clears throat> he ascended up the mountain. And he came back. <clears throat> he laid his hands on Joshua. And when he did, he imparted. He received the power of the Holy Spirit on his life. We'll go to Elijah and Elisha. We'll see it in a moment if we have time today. And so uh, uh, Elisha's following Elijah. And there comes a point where Elijah's taken up to heaven in a fiery chariot. And Elisha sees Elijah sin, and Elisha's waiting there, and the mantle comes, and he picks it up and puts it on him, and the power of God came on him. And then we fast forward into the New Testament. There is Jesus. He comes. He's born of a virgin. He lives a sinless life. He dies on the cross paying your sins and mine. My friends, it's stunning to me how misunderstood Christianity is today. It's stunning to me. I can only say the church has done a terrible job of telling the truth. And the devil's done an incredible job of telling a lie. We're not after Christian nationalism. Have you heard that? That's what they say guys like the Speaker of the House want to do. Or guys like me want to do. Christian nationalism means we, this is what these people that don't know what they're talking about say. We're trying to force our faith on everybody and turn everybody. No, no, no. You can't force Jesus on anyone. We're not the people who kill you to serve our God. We're the people who get killed. We're the people who lay down our life. We're the people who love our enemies. We're the people who feed our enemies. We're the people who bless those who curse us and pray for those that despitefully use us. There's nothing about religion and Christianity that's remotely similar. Religion is man trying to earn the favor of some distant God. Christianity was God coming where we were, dying in our place, taking up our sins on the cross. Are you with me? Christianity is not a religion. It's the greatest gift that God ever gave this world. We are the recipients of that. So Jesus came. Look at the model again. He came. He died on the cross for us three days later, raised from the dead. For 40 days, he gave proofs that he was bodily resurrected. And then on, on, on from the Mount of Olives, he ascends back to heaven. 500 watched him go. And what happened 10 days later? Just like the pattern. Remember, Moses goes up. The next guy follows him. The Holy Spirit rests on Joshua. What happened? Elijah goes up. Elisha sees the mantle. The Holy Spirit comes on him. Jesus said, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. But he's not coming until I ascend back. So what happens? Jesus goes up. And the Spirit of God comes down. But you got to get something. This time, 
The mantle didn't fall on one man. The mantle didn't fall on one woman. Because listen to me, it's the mantle of Jesus. It's not the mantle of Moses. It's not the mantle of Elisha. Are you hearing me, church? It's the mantle of Jesus Christ. The same spirit that raised him from the dead quickens our mortal bodies. So when the mantle of Jesus came, when the Holy Spirit came in the upper room, it wasn't for one, it was for every single believer who will ever put their faith in Jesus. You, my friend, me, this church, your home, your family, we can receive the mantle of the Holy Spirit. The same anointing that Jesus said can rest on us. Do we see that? This mantle, this call, this, this, this tangible thing. It's interesting. Jesus said it like this. See, that pattern just keeps going and going. He said this in Luke 24. He said, you're going to be clothed with power from on high. You and I, you got to understand. You, you, I don't know how you feel about it. I like it. I love it. Do you know you're walking around with this on you right now? You just can't see it. But you've been clothed with power. Dear God. Clothed with power. Clothed with power. Christians walk around and, 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 and we don't feed on the word. And we become anemic. And, and, and you got the power of God resting on your life. But the last time you got in your Bible was three years ago last week. But you spent 26 hours on the internet last week. Check your time out on your thing. Check it out. Look on your, look on your phone. It'll tell you how long you've been on there. I'm not against the internet. We're on it. I'm, I'm, thank God. We're preaching. I'm preaching to people right now. How you like my clothes? You like me? You ought to come see it up close real. It's even better here. See, we, we, we love it. We're going to use it for the glory of God. But what am I feeding myself? When did I pray last? We say, you know, I say this. I, I look at it. I, I stand there and say, you have the same mantle Jesus had on you. And I don't know. Some people are going, uh, I don't think so. I get that. Uh, I don't think so. Well, you don't know me. Well, if I had the mantle of Jesus, then why did so-and-so happen? Well, it's because you didn't know you had the mantle of Jesus. It's because we put up with a lot. Because we accept a lot. Because we give in to a lot. Because we just let it happen. Because we don't know who we are. Because we haven't spent enough time with the one who created us and empowered us and put his mantle on us to find out who we are. Oh, you're something else. You're a bad boy. You're a bad girl. I'm going to tell you something. You, you're something else. All you have to do is light the fire. You got the kindling. You need to light the fire. You, you don't know who you are because you haven't walked around with the one who mantled you enough. See, we walk around. We're mantled. We're mantled. This, this same spirit come, came on us, the same thing. And, and so, so what did he do? Let me, boy, this is hot. Let, let's, uh, let's, let's go to 2 Kings chapter 1. 2 Kings chapter 1. 2 Kings 1. So what happens? So what happens? There comes a time to make the transition. I got to get this off. I'm sorry. I'm going to do it like this. There you go. Mantle there. Is that good enough? There you go. That works. I have the hairiest pulpit in America. I'd like to have the most anointed one. That's what I'd like to have. Come on. I'd like to see God rest on it. Do it. What I'm seeing, God do what I can't see. Come on. Anybody believe that? Come on for yourself. So what happens? How do we get there? It's time to make the transition. I'll share a little bit, and I'll have to, I'll have to finish this next time. But here's what happens. Watch this. 2 Kings 2.1. Again, from the 
I just use a New King James because I like uh, calling it a mantle, okay? I like it because it calls it a mantle. And it came to pass, 2 Kings 2.1, when the Lord's about to take Elijah into heaven, remember that? He goes up, something comes down, we're mantle. When the Lord is about to take Elijah into heaven by whirlwind, you realize what's happening there? Elijah didn't die. There's only been two, Enoch and Elijah in the Old Testament. He didn't die. I mean, you've you, you got to be a bad boy. It's just like God said, did your job, come on home. And he's, no, he's dying, just come now. I mean, is that amazing? We get something like that called the rapture. I don't know if, when it's going to happen. There's going to be a day. Could be today. Did you know it could be today? Yes, sir. Did you know it could be right now while I'm preaching? Yes, sir. Yeah. I hope you won't be sitting here. Come on. <laughs> I hope the majority of people go. If I'm doing my job, it should be a pretty mass exodus. Somebody's going to be in a world of hurt. You're going to be watching online. I'm gone, baby. Bye. I mean, it's going to happen, man. I'll be on a Sunday, but it's going to happen. Sure enough. I don't know if it's in my life or the next one, but it's going to happen. Okay. Came to pass when the Lord is about to take Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. Watch this. Then Elijah said to Elisha, stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me on to Bethel. But Elisha said, as the Lord lives, as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. So there's this thing in prayer called persistence. Yes. And each one of these places, I'm going to teach this to you, represent altars in your life. Altars. Progressive altars. Positioning yourself. You don't earn this. You can't demand it. There's not a class. It's just being with God. It's positioning yourself. It's positioning your family. It's being persevering. It's being, you're, you're determined. You're, you're saying, I'm going after this thing. Elijah, uh, listen, it's this kind of thing. Elijah said to Elijah, in essence, you don't have to go with me. He goes, well, I know, but I'm going to go. <laughs> he goes, you don't have to go, but I'm going to go. See, there's something about a believer, when you get to this place with God, where you stop doing only what you have to do. And you begin to do beyond that because you just want more of him. Everybody with me? You just want more of his presence. You just want to be there. So he says, stay here at Bethel. He said, no, no, no. I'm going to go with you at, at Gilgal. So he goes to Bethel. He said, just stay here. He said, no, no, no. He said, where are you going, Jericho? I'm going to Jericho. He gets to Jericho. He said, just stay here. He says, well, where are you going next? I'm going to the Jordan. He said, well, I'm going to go to the Jordan. And there's this thing in your life. I won't get to it today. <laughs> where you're going to get to this place in prayer. Listen, you got to see this. It's amazing. Where it moves beyond you asking God to do something, and God will literally say to you, so what do you want me to do? Did you get that? I don't know if I've had that exact encounter. But I'd like to be at a place in my prayer life where it's not just me asking, where God says to me, so what do you want? What do you want? Anybody want to get there? Yeah. I, kinda, I want to get there. Come on. Yeah. Come on. I'm walking off. No, you half of you didn't raise your hand. You just... Anybody else want to preach right now? I'm about done. I think that's all I got for right now. For... I mean, I said, who wants God to say, what do you want? About half of you. Let me try it again. Who would like for God to say to you, 
What do you want me to do? Just tell me. Okay, thank you. I was going to take my mantle and go home if you didn't. That doesn't happen at Gilgal. It didn't happen at Bethel. Didn't happen at Jericho. Didn't happen till he got to the Jordan. There's a journey. There's a positioning. Is anybody tracking me at this thing? Where you begin to walk with God. Where we move past all the religious jargon. Where you get past all this mumbo jumbo. When you, what do they say on the, uh, on the contract on the television commercial? Yada, 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 yada. You know, I, I want to get past all the Christian yada, 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 yada. Anybody hear what I'm saying about? And I'm not just yada, 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 yada. I want to get to a place where I'm just walking with him. Come on. Anybody want to go there? Just get to this place where you're walking, you're walking, you're walking. And it's not just begging and begging and pleading and begging and pleading and begging and pleading. And you get to this place where God says, hey, you know what? Just tell me what you want. Look out, look out, look out, look out. You know, the devils in hell don't want you to get to a place where God trusts you enough. See, where God trusts you enough. God can't tell that to everybody. God can't ask everybody, thank you, Jesus. Everybody doesn't get that. There's some folks that shouldn't be trusted with. Whatever you want, I'm going to do it. Come on. Don't you know somebody right now that you're really glad God hadn't said that to? I mean, aren't you really happy? There's some people that don't have that blank check in front of them right now. But I'm going to tell you, there's a place, are you listening to me, where we can walk with God and trust him and walk with him. And God can begin to trust me with the mantle. God can begin to trust me with the anointing. That I'm not going to play games with it and make money off of it and act foolish with it and build my own reputation with it. But I'm going to say, God, I'll do whatever it takes for your mantle to be on me, for your presence to be on me, for my family to know you, for my children to know you, my grandchildren and my children's children, that the blessing of God is so real intangible that my kids want what I have they don't gather around when I die and want my house and my this and my that they don't care because they have said this I want to serve the God of my father I want that anointing I want that mantle on my life and whatever you have to do to get there Whatever I need to do to follow him there. If he says, you don't have to go. Well, he said, but if you'll let me, I'm going to go. You, don't, you can stop. I'm not going to stop. You can quit. I'm not going to quit. And other voices are saying, you need to back up. But there comes a place where the relationship shifts into another level. And God and you begin to partner in a way that you could never imagine because he trusts us. I want you to stand with me. Let's stand together and want our worship team to come. He trusts us. He trusts us because he knows we're going to ask what pleases him. We're going to do what pleases him. We're going to go his way. I'm just going to stop there. I want to preach these altars to you. There's some things that we need to hear. Pastor, I mean, would you say to me, Pastor, I want, I want to hear the truth because I want to know God like that. Anybody in that place? Yeah. Are you willing for him to say to you, you need to quit some stuff? Can I tell you in this prayer journey, worship team, come on out. Listen, in this prayer journey, listen, I'm going to help you with something. See, this is where we move. Do you know some of the biggest, most important decisions you'll make are not concerning the things that you're doing wrong. They're the things you're not doing right. Did you just hear me? 
see you move from that different level. It's okay. I'll stop doing that. Okay, I'll stop. I'll stop. Come on. We, we, should, we should be past that. We should be past that. See, I, I was praying earlier this morning, and this word says, if my people, we prayed it over here this morning, if my people, who belongs to him today? Who are called by my name. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I don't feel like a martyr. I don't really care what guys like Bill Mayer, they, he, he's got the bully pulpit and the TV show. I don't care what he says about me. Does that bother you? Does that mess you up? That doesn't bother me. I'm going to go to heaven someday. And he's not going to be there at the gate. I'm not worried what he's going to say. There's one. There's one. There's one. There's one. Who's going to tell me one sentence? That's what I live for. One sentence. Well done. My good faithful servant. That's it. You understand it? That's it. That's it right there. Well done. Good and faithful servant. You take the rest. Not ashamed of the gospel. It's my people who are called by my name. Who are we? We're Christians. We're Christ-like. You understand? And so then he said, if my people are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray. Humility and prayer go hand in hand because we are prayerless because we keep trying to do it ourselves. So we don't pray because we're not humble. We're not humble because we think we can do it without him. But when I reach a place and say, God, if you don't do it, I, I can't get there. And you know how you get there? You know where you get to a place where you realize you can't do it? It's when you keep following him. When you keep walking away from what you've always done and you begin to walk out in that new place and pray like you haven't prayed and obey like you haven't obeyed. And, and you, you get, you, okay. So he says, well, humble yourself, pray, seek my face. And then he says this, and then you're, you're going to have to turn from your wicked ways. So what am I willing to give up to get this? What am I willing to walk away from to get this, to get that mantle on me, to carry that mantle? You know, I was thinking while I was preaching, I was complaining like a little baby that that was hot. So I took it off because it was uncomfortable to me. When I took it off, I felt the Holy Spirit say, so that's all you got? <laughs> I said, sorry, Lord. I'll burn up. <laughs> so let me ask you something. You really want the anointing? You really want that mantle? You know, it's not going to look good. You're not going to have people, you know, share, like. It's hot. This is uncomfortable. But you know what? Probably if I wear it long enough, it'll feel just fine. Probably if I walk in it enough, it'll feel like home to me. See, I hadn't planned that, but you understand. And so sometimes God wants to put a mantle on us, and we're like, no, no, that's too hot. Oh, no, God, I'm, I'm going to stick out too far. I mean, no, no, no. I, you, you, mean, you, mean, you, mean like, you mean like everything? You want everything? Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. You mean I got to leave sweet young thing alone? Yeah. You got to let her go. Cut her loose. Cut her loose. You mean I got to let my sugar daddy go? Cut him loose. Cut him loose. Well, who's going to take care of me? 
Jehovah Jireh. Jehovah Jireh. Well, I can't go to sleep. You know, I, I, I'm not doing wrong. I mean, I, I, I can't go to sleep unless you know I, I have to hit that bottle just a little bit. It's not for recreation. I'm just trying to hit that bottle because, you know, I just got to calm down. It's my nerves. I, I got to hit. Well, you know, well, you mean if I put that bottle down, how am I going to go to sleep? Jesus said, I'll give sleep to my beloved. I mean, I'll take, I'll take it. You need it. <clears throat> Maybe you need to take a Jesus pill. Maybe you need to take a Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John pill. Huh? See? What? Do, yeah, well, you mean if I put, you mean if I get this, I walk away from that? Yeah. Yeah. Look me in the face. Yes. Yes. There's some things you need to cut loose in your life. Humble themselves and pray. Turn from their wicked ways. See, we're not committing the sins everybody amens at in church. You know, you're not killing and stealing and robbing and raping. And, but you're murmuring and griping and unforgiving and bitter and grumbling and backbiting. So, what am I willing to stop to get this? I mean, if I forgive them, okay, yeah, that's worth it. This is worth forgiving. This is worth stopping murmuring. This is worth quit being judgmental and critical. I need, I need to stop, but you get the point. Because I'll tell you, listen to me. Look at me. Listen to me. It's not about what you listen. It's not about what you stop. It's about what you miss when you don't stop. It's not just quit doing the bad things. It's you're robbing yourself of the best things that are in the place of those things. This, this mantle, this anointing of the Holy Spirit, that helps me find out, oh, that's what I was put on this earth to do. This is what helps me be who I've always wanted to be. This is what I've searched for in all those broken relationships. This is what I thought money would do and it never satisfied me. This is what I thought fame and popularity and power. This is what I thought religion would do and I still went home empty on Sunday. But this, this, the presence of God, this is what I've always looked for. And whatever... Take it, pay it, have it, take it. Just let me have this. Now, you may not get there day one. Are you willing to take the journey? Are you willing to find out? Are you willing to say, Jesus, here's everything. He'll do it. So I guess what I want to say today is, are we hungry enough to start the journey? Are we willing to say, Jesus, I want, listen, you don't want my mantle. You want your mantle. You want your mantle. Before you say, Lord, I want my mantle. I want my tongue of fire. It spread and came on each of them, all of them, filled the Holy Spirit. Can we just take a moment here? Listen, this isn't going to get it done. What we're about to do is not going to get it done. It may help you start. Let's take a moment and start and turn this place into uh, an equipping place where God says, I'm dropping mantles. I got it in my hand. I've got it in my hand. I want to put it on someone. I want, I want someone. Anybody want theirs? Anybody want theirs? He, he, God, God, I want it. You know, I want it, God. I, I, I know I don't have to, but I want to. I, I'm not preaching to the lowest level. I'm trying to preach to the highest level today. Try to teach you here, okay, where we just say, can we turn it into that for just a few moments here? And I told you, this is not going to be enough. 
But I hope this is where you'll start. You understand me? And take it home with you. Take it home with you. And the people who are here today that I love you with all my heart, and I pray that you would come and you don't know Jesus so you can hear about our God today. So you can be reminded about how good he is and how that he loves you. And he's not mad at you and he's not against you. And he's got a mantle that he wants to give you just like he gave Elisha and like he gave Peter and Paul and your mom and your dad. And you don't have to wear their clothes and dress what they dress and drive their car and hold their Bible, but you need to know their God. You understand what I'm saying? I hope you're here hearing that today. And my prayer is that in this moment, while we're saying, God, I, I want that mantle. I want to know you more. I, I don't want to play the game. I want to know you. I pray you'll do that. And if you're here and you're not a believer, right here, all you have to do is say, Jesus, I'm sorry I missed it. Forgive me. Come live in my heart. Come take my life. I'm yours. See, it's not hard if you mean it. Thank you for listening today. We hope you found this message uplifting and encouraging. If you're looking to connect in person, we gather every Sunday at 10 a.m. You can also find us online at calvaryassembly.org. And don't forget to follow us on our social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube for more content, updates, and to stay connected with our community.